we go, episode 36 of the Hibs Ramble. It's the handsome threesome this week. No Liam with us, it's myself, Craig, and we've got Mark and Sean. How are we, boys? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Absolutely grand, mate. For the audio listeners amongst us, I would urge you to get on the YouTube version because Mark is looking absolutely spectacular <laughs> in his office at I'm just home from the office, so please don't think this is what I usually uh, dress like. Usually in Audi or something. The turtleneck is absolutely stupendous and really adds to the look, I think. Thanks very much, mate. I appreciate that intro. You're very welcome. We're all about compliments here in the Ramble. Um, before we start, we just wanted to pass on our condolences and thoughts to the family of Andrew McKinnon, uh, the Young Hearts fan who tragically lost his life yesterday afternoon while playing football. Um, from what I've seen on social media, he followed Hearts home and away, and he was a big part of their Gorgi Ultras thing that they had going. So, yeah, no much other that can say that we hope that um, we pass on our thoughts and well wishes to his family, um, and hopefully they can find some solace in the kind words that his his friends and whatnot have been saying, because there's been quite a lot of them on social media over the past sort of 24 to 36 hours. Um, moving on, we obviously haven't recorded since our last game, which was a 4-1 pumping off Rangers. Um, we were, <laughs> like looking back, deluded beyond belief mm-hmm. um, to think that we could get anything out of that game, given the way it transpired. Um, like we'll say, we didn't want to go into detail too much about the game, so I'll just, Mark, just give me a, a brief summary of your thoughts on what played out over the 90 minutes. No, you don't have to mention baguettes and pyros if you don't want to. I'm not going to go into the Rangers fans, but um, amazing start to the game. I thought we maybe scored a little bit too early. It's that old chestnut against the old firm. Um, conceded at a horrendous time. And I feel like if it had stayed nil-nil, we would have had so much more of a chance in it 1-1. Because as soon as they scored, all the momentum was with them. We were a bit quiet in the stands. Rangers were bouncing. And from the point that they scored the penalty, it was all Rangers. We were never back in the game. Whereas if it had stayed at 0-0, I feel like we maybe could have tested them a little bit more. Um, my overwhelming disappointment was that um, changes weren't made. I feel like the game was absolutely crying out. It could have been 10-1 at half time. Yeah. Um, and we needed to make a change. We had Miko, we had Nisbet on the bench. We needed to shake up. And when it came out, the same eleven that started the game, I was, I, I was basically sad. That's it. Game over. I'm not saying we could have won the game. I'm not even saying that we could have got a point out of it. But I certainly think we, we would have been a hell of a lot better if we had made that change. And to to wait until we're four one down before the players come in the pitch before the changes are made is for me a footballing crime. Yeah, that's the second time that's happened this season, though, because it was the game at uh, Easter Road in the Cup where Johnson was had two players on the bench. I can't remember who it was ready to come on um, at 1-0 as Shankland scored the second. And uh, it's, it's one of those, I think that's, like you say, it's, it's one of those where I think regardless of how long we'd kept it 0-0, like they were just on it, like... We we need to be at minimum eight out of ten and hope that they're done at a four or a five because 
what I don't think helps us is the record that we had against them sort of in the championship years and in the first couple of years back in the premiership where we kind of went toe-to-toe with them. They've just completely went light years ahead. Um, Sean, you obviously had a bit of a nightmare with your ticketing situation before the game. Yeah. Um, how much were you sitting at East Road wishing that you just hadn't bothered your arse and just stayed and watched it in the house? Uh, you're, you're no wrong. I enjoyed the first maybe seven, eight minutes. I uh, had a great view as well of all the goals, which, well, no, not the Hibs one anyway. But, um frustrated me from where I was sitting anyway, which is quite low. I was in the third row, not normally anywhere near that low. And I don't feel like you can actually appreciate the game, regardless of win, lose or draw. Like the actual setup and the way the team is action in their game plan, I don't feel like you can kind of appreciate it at that level. So it was quite difficult for me to judge just how poor I thought we were because that close to the action, we weren't even getting the second balls, sometimes not even getting the third balls, which was very, very frustrating for me as well. Um, I can reiterate what, what you said regarding the Rangers' performance in our one because they were just on it right from the off and they were just a different kettle of fish. The, the level of performance that they put in was... Um, was very, very concerning. Um, considering the run that we've been on, we looked like a team that just couldn't string anything together. We looked like how we've played during that winless run um, for a long period of time. And my concern is, I'm glad that we've had the break between the two fixtures, but my concern would still be that anything can kind of carry over from a performance perspective. Um, yeah, I think... It's a case of just now that that's done and dusted, we've had the time. Hopefully, we've not kind of dwelled on it as from a player's perspective. Hopefully, we've not dwelled on it and we just kind of can move on. I know we've got a very, very tough game and it's the toughest game to move on to. Um, but yeah, hopefully, we can kind of kick on. I hope that I posed this question to Lee Johnson when we interviewed him and Ben Kenzel about learning from his mistakes and, and things like that. and you can get like a scripted question, a scripted answer with something like that, and I kind of half expected it from him. But my concern, just lastly on that game, was regardless of how good our run is or was before that, if your best players are match fit, regardless of how close to match fit they are, I think or I'm, I hope that Lee Johnson in the future can kind of learn from a mistake and where, regardless of how good we've been in the runs before leading up to what is, you know, the second toughest fixture in the league. I feel like he maybe should have started at least one of them. Uh, they both got a good run out at Livingston. So my, my main issue and my main concern was the fact that um, he didn't freshen up the lineup. I understand it from a, a manager's perspective of wanting to kind of keep the momentum running. But when you're playing Celtic or Rangers or even Harps, if you, one of your two best strikers is available, you play one of them. So I would have liked to have seen that we freshened up a wee bit more. Aye, I think it, it leads into a <clears throat> sort of wider discussion though about um, you know, because you look at the, the fixtures over the last sort of couple of weeks, we've played, so we've played Rangers, we've got Celtic on on Saturday, Hearts have just had a double header against Celtic themselves as well and there's been a lot of talk on social media recently about the sort of the power shift no, not so much a power shift but like are these are Celtic 
potentially the best, they're probably the best side I've seen in Scotland, I think. I quite openly said that after we played them just after Christmas when they absolutely pumped us. And that I've not seen a team sort of move off the ball, on the ball in a way that they do. Um, and what clouds us, I think, over the last couple of years is, like I said, the record that we've got against Rangers, given when we were in the Championship, and then subsequently when we came back into the Premier League, until probably maybe the COVID season, I think, when they ended up winning it. Um, so, I I just thought it'd be better for us to have like a sort of more open discussion about what's like when you look at. So the, the top five in the league just now, right, are Celtic Rangers, Hearts, Hibs and Aberdeen. Arguably the two biggest clubs and then the three clubs underneath that. You could argue over the toss of a coin who's bigger than the other. We all, we've all got dip show and contests between us about many different things, right? But the the difference between first to even third is ridiculous. Celtic are only 11 points away from having double the amount of points that Hearts do. In third, they've scored almost double the amount of goals. They've conceded half them at like <clears throat> what's like Mark, just answer this one for me, right? If you can, what is the point? Yeah, that's what we ask ourselves every season when we renew our season tickets. And <clears throat> I'm probably opening up a bit a tin of worms when I say this, but I will say it. Um Scottish football holds the old firm back. And the old firm holds Scottish football back. That is my opinion on it. The sooner they go away to a Super League, the better. Um, everyone, uh, Anyone that disagrees with that will probably have the argument of, well, we need them for the money. My rebuttal is that if they go away, we'll lose the TV rights for a few years. Nobody will touch us. Sky, Viaplay, whoever. But you'll have Hibs v Aberdeen. You'll have Hibs v Hearts, Aberdeen v Hearts, Dundee United, all these teams fighting for the league. Attendances will be through the roof because we're actually fighting for a title. You'll have all these wee derbies opening up, huge games between likes us and Dundee United, maybe Motherwell. You might have the odd surprise when maybe a Livingston or a Ross County goes for it. And then before you know it, after maybe three, four years, that's when I think the TV people will come knocking because they'll see a competitive, entertaining league with several big clubs in it that are maximising their potential. And when the old firm are in the league, the other clubs will not reach their potential. It just won't happen. Because why bother? Like you said, why go, why pay all that money following a team home and away when you know that the absolute best you can hope for is finishing third and maybe getting hammed in? Yeah. Sean, we'll try and get you this with your intermittent technical issues. Um Based on what Mark's just said, right, about the, the TV rights going and sponsorships maybe going down and that, there's been a few, and this has been a shout a few, like over the last few years, is that we've turned into the League of Ireland, if that happens. Um, you know, dependent on sponsorships, TV money, European spots, etc. We would end up like the League of Ireland. And to my knowledge, there's no League of Ireland clubs that get upwards of 10, 11,000 season ticket holders when your best hope is third. Um, there's no League of Ireland side that gets, 
you know, that takes crowds. I mean, look at times when we've went to, like when we went to Livingston, I know it's just on the road, but three and a half thousand to an away game. Yeah. Um, even, you know, look at Motherwell last season in the Cup, you're talking that's at least three and a half, up close to four thousand. Um, what's, what's your thoughts on it in terms of the whole League of Ireland comparison and where you actually think it would leave us if Celtic and Rangers did find a way to to go elsewhere? I think from the the outside looking in, in regards to people out with Scottish football, I can kind of understand why that comparison is made, just because they're literally just over the water. But I don't understand it in regards to the um, financial aspect of it or the supporters' passion aspect of it. Um, I mentioned on one of the pods a few weeks back about you know Scotland having the highest supporting country uh, by capita anyway in Europe. So I understand that Celtic and Rangers bring a certain level of glamour to the league from people looking out. It certainly doesn't look that way from everyone that's within the league and the supporters because I, I think a lot, the vast majority of the supporters would want them gone. And I'm in, I'm in the same camp as Mark. Although I would kind of miss playing them, I don't enjoy playing them upwards of four if you go in the cup five, six times a season. It does get a bit boring. It does get a bit repetitive. The issue that I have with it is that the whole expansion of the league is always a non-starter as well because yeah. of the TV deal. The TV deal has this non-negotiable that all old firm games will always be televised and that there has to be at least four of them. Yep. So therefore, we're never ever going to be able to expand the league unless we continue to play everyone fourth, eh, sorry, four times, which again is just not going to be possible considering you'd want to expand it to 16 teams or 18 teams. I do feel that and it is clear, especially the last couple of seasons, from excluding Hearts last season because they kind of ran away with it because the rest of us were shite. From fourth to tenth for the last couple of seasons, everybody's beaten everybody and it's very, very tight and it's very competitive. Um, and I would like to see for a minute purely because it would be quite interesting. It would be fucking frustrating if Aberdeen and Hearts then pumped in the money and kind of took a little bit of a lead and then started winning a couple of titles here and there. It would be very, very painful to see. But you don't know unless you give it a go. Celtic and Rangers for years have wanted a way. They've wanted to be, they've wanted to basically prove themselves either in Europe or against the European elite. They can't quite do it in the Champions League at the moment. And their argument will probably be because of the competitiveness, the competitivism of the league. And, and where it stands at the moment. Whereas I actually think that Scottish football out with the old firm has got more competitive in recent years and it's got a lot closer and there isn't as big a, of a gap. Um, I totally disagree. I think the gap is is much bigger now than it's ever been. Out with the old firm, I mean. It means I'm like, right, okay, like so the rest no. of us against the old If you exclude the old firm, the competitiveness without, within the rest of the teams is as good as I can remember it from an outsider looking in in regards to anybody can be anybody um, home or away. The amount of times that Ross County or Livy have came to us 
or Aberdeen or Hearts and got a result. Um, I would like to see Celtic Rangers, you know, test themselves down south. Obviously, there's a couple of you know Welsh teams down south that do it, um, and I, I don't know how long they've been in, in the English. It's probably more technical to do that. I do actually Celtic Rangers would, given the financial backing they could get in the Premier League, they could do really, really well and, and finish quite high up as well. I think that is the way forward. I think Celtic and Rangers will admit that that is the way forward and deep down that's what they would want as well because financially they'd get even more money. See, um, I, I disagree. I think it's a lot of posturing from them. You don't I, think they would? If they were offered, you don't think they'd take up the offer? I don't think they would um, because it's all right saying it about they're basically, you know, they're the big fish in the little pond. They're the fucking, they're the shark in the puddle even in Scottish football. Yeah. And, you know, they're guaranteed Europe, European football every season. They're guaranteed um, to win at least one trophy, between, you know, you, you for the near future, you're probably looking at the every domestic trophy is going to be divvied up between them, um, you know, unless they get each other in the earlier rounds and then one of the rest of us is, is lucky enough to not come out on the way to the final. Um, when you look at <clears throat> maybe 10, 10 to 15 years ago, all you really had in the Premier League was Abramovich in terms of, you know, these properly massive owners that are just pumping money into the club. Yeah. Because now they've got, you know, you've got, Chelsea are getting Chelsea are financed by a billionaire. You've got the Qataris looking to buy Man United. You've got the UAE, Dubai, effectively back in Man City. Can there's there's teams Newcastle. looking at that. <clears throat> but the Saudis at Newcastle. I just think there's what's there's. The, no, what's to say that a, one of these billionaires wouldn't be interested in buying a Celtic or Rangers because of how huge the club actually is. If they went, if they went down to the English Premier League, it would not surprise me in the slightest if within five, ten years they were owned by one of what you've just listed there. Aye, but there's okay. the issue. That's the issue is there's the five, ten years. The old firm, the supporter-wise anyway, they wouldn't wait five, ten years. They wouldn't let them wait five, ten years because yeah. they've ingrained in them for the past a hundred and fifty years or however long it's been. They've been ingrained with winning. Constantly, like you look at the the barren run of Rangers in the last ten years. Look at how frustrated they got. Like they were baying for blood yeah. at times. And then, for what I know, Celtic were the similar in the nineties when Rangers were winning everything. Like they they can't handle not having any success whatsoever. And that's they, can't, they also can't handle not playing each other four times either. I think that's part of the problem. So yeah. they'll not want. They'll not want the change, which again, Kenny, I agrees with the point that, that you're making. I think for the Scottish football, fucking pains me to say it, but for Scottish football to move forward, you need them to do really, really well in Europe and then improve the coefficient, which is then ultimately where we stand at the moment in regards to Hearts getting guaranteed European football, and then you need them to get money to then continue to improve in Europe, and then it'll, in my opinion, slowly filter down. So if Celtic and Rangers are able to continually compete in Europe or at least improve the coefficient and we can continually finish third with the chance of potentially getting into the Europa League, if not guaranteed conference group stage football, that's, say Hearts do finish third for the next five years, right? They're getting 
at the moment, based on the coefficient, they're getting at least three million extra guaranteed each year, I think, or there or thereabouts. That will eventually improve them as a club. And if Celtic Rangers and whoever finishes third continually improves their either their club or their player playing staff, eventually the gap should potentially get closer between third and second. But you're by that point you're then needing Celtic or Rangers to fall off in regards to their recruitment. So at the moment everything that Ange has done at Celtic has been spot on and it's worked. And that's why they are still so far ahead. Rangers are could potentially go bust trying to stop Ange from continually winning if he stays at the club. You yeah. need either one of them to fall off while somehow keeping the coefficient up and third, fourth or fifth ploughing a little bit of extra cash in to try and close the gap because Hearts have now got that cash. If they spend wisely, they could close the gap to Rangers at least, well, but you would then need the Rangers to then fall off, which it's because like, what do you... Well, they've had that extra money for years now and because of the this James Anderson guy, they've had extra money for years. So I don't... I get what you're saying, but I don't necessarily buy that part of the argument because they've had I mean you look at their look at their latest accounts, they would have made a one pot like a one or two million pound loss if it wasn't yeah. for the fact that, that Anderson was pumping money in. Um Mark, here's here's a, a bit for you, right? See, is there an argument to be made that <clears throat> so say Celtic Rangers go, right, they're gone. Is there not then an argument to be made that all that would happen is that either one of two of or all three of Hibs, Hearts and Aberdeen would then just take Rangers and Celtic's place at the top and it would be the three of us fighting out for everything rather than just the two of them as it is just now because (coughs) financial wise if you look at those three in isolation compared to the rest of the league individually we would blow each each other team out of the water but so I don't I don't think so and my reason is that the gap between us, as in maybe Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen and the old firm, is probably the same, if not bigger, than the gap between like Celtic and Rangers like PSG or Man City. That, that That's for me how big the gap is. Whereas if you look at the gap between maybe a Hibs and a Dundee United or a Motherwell, although, yeah, fine, it might be a wee bit of gap financially, but I don't think it's huge. And all you have to do is look at history. Look at the last 20, 30, 40 years. How many times have Hibs finished third? Yeah. How many times have Aberdeen and Hearts finished third? What about, you know, Dundee United have finished third, Motherwell have finished third. You've had wee surprise packages coming up like Livingston and all that. So I think that, yeah, the majority of the titles would be shared between three and four clubs, but you're never, ever going to have a league where every single team's got a chance of winning it. You know, you look at England... There's maybe a maximum of two teams or three teams fighting for the league every season. So I think that's what it would be like. It would be three teams, maybe four, and then you get the odd season where a surprise package comes. I think it would be a healthy league, and it would look like every other league, where there's maybe three or four, potentially five people, and you've got that wee battle for Europe, you've got the battle for top four, you've got the battle for the title, and it rotates pretty regularly. I don't think we are big enough, as in Hibs, Hearts or Aberdeen, to fill that to fill that old firm gap. I don't think we would all of a sudden start getting 60,000 and 
start having massive wage bills and stuff like that. I, I just don't can't see it happening. But do you not think that the? I mean, we've seen it at the obviously when Hearts won the cup in 2012, when we won it in 2016, the crowds that came out for it. Now you could argue that there would have been a lot of folk that went with their pals for the day out or. Ken, it's folk that would have never been to a game in their life, but if you asked them what football team they support, they'd say Hearts or Hibs. Would it not be, like, over time, if Hibs were winning the league, the league and cup double, getting into these Champions League preliminary rounds, etc., until the coefficient does build back up after hypothetically Rangers and Celtic leave, that eventually it would become the same sort of gap? I think it would be... So if you look at Hibs and Hearts, right, say we get our maximum attendance, let's just say our, our maximum attendance is like 30,000 at like Easter Road and Tynecastle, if we expand the stadium, etc. I think Aberdeen can probably match that. I think if you look at the maximum attendance for somebody like Dundee United, it's probably, what, 15,000, 20,000? Um, and the same for sort of your maybe not as much, but for Motherwell. Now I just don't think if you t- if you take every team in Scotland without the old firm and say right, this is their maximum attendance, this is their maximum potential. I don't think the gap between Hibs, Hearts, and Aberdeen is anywhere near as big as what it is now to the old firm. I just don't, and I think we do have that potential, but I just don't think any of us would reach that peak and I don't think any of us would open up that gap. But regardless, right, even if there was a wee bit of a gap that opened up, that's still Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen that are maybe your big three, I suppose. Then you would have, I would probably say, Dundee United, potentially Dundee and Motherwell that would be there, thereabouts that I think could definitely have enough to compete for the league. Minimum compete for that top four, top five. Yeah. And then I do think that there's teams with potential. You look at some of the teams coming up, you know, your Queen's Parks and all that, you know, they might have potential to cause a few shocks if they were to come up without the old firm. I also think if we were going down this route, we would expand the league to, say, 16 teams, which we can't do at the moment because of the old firm. You expand the league, it makes it more interesting. We only play each other twice a season, which, again, opens it up for the smaller clubs to maybe produce a wee bit of a shock. Um, and you look at Hibs anyway, I mean... You take Old Firm out of the equation, how many times have Hibs won the league in the last 30 years? Twice? How many times have we finished third? Finished, uh, tw- uh, well, 2000 and what, 2004. And then so, 21, we finished third. Certainly no... I think I, I worked it out when, when me and Liam done the Hibs Talk Extra Time stuff. Or it may have been at the start, I, it was back then. Um, we worked out that Hibs had finished in the top three seven times in the last 40 odd years like the average like history dictates and, and if you're talking about recent history if you go back say 40 50 years that we middle around about fourth or fifth so by us go ironically for Hibs fans who get go mad for us not finishing third we actually spectacularly overachieve if we finish third which is when you look at it, it, obviously it's not a nice thing to say, but when you look at it written down, is that like it's a fact that like you can't you can't say it's not. Um, it's just for me that this whole League of Ireland push just really that's all the nonsense. Really annoying. Annoying. Like if you look at a team like Linfield, right? I think Linfield are one of the big boys, are they not? They're the ones they've won quite a lot of titles. 
Um, there, I've actually had this a similar conversation a few weeks ago, and I looked at their sort of average attendance. I know attendance is everything, but their average attendance, I think, last season was something like two and a half thousand. Yeah. You know, we are, and that's with a chance. That's them probably expecting to win the league and get us, European football as well. Yeah, us without even without even thinking we're going to finish in the top six. We sell loads, like 11,000, 12,000 season tickets, take brilliant away crowds and all that. So it's a nonsense comparing us to League of Ireland or Wales or whatever. It's, it would be night and day. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I don't know, I just think with the way football's going at the moment, there is going to be some setup like that coming in the future. Um, obviously, you've seen the whole Super League stuff when that came out. These bigger clubs are just wanting to earn more and more money. Um, Rangers and Celtic will rightly or wrongly feel that they should get a slice of that pie given their respective size and Do you think if a, a European Super League came about do you think at that point Celtic or Rangers could get an invitation to the English leagues? No, they would go to the Super League I would imagine No, I, I, I know that's where they would want to be but do you think real, realistically in comparison to budgets if we're talking about budgets and stuff like that if you plump into a European Super League and you're only talking maybe the the most, say, 15 to 20 or 30 or 40. Celtic or Rangers, yeah, they probably should probably be in and around that discussion, but do you think if they weren't, that they could then potentially fancy their chances going down or getting an invitation from England? What, to fill, like, say, to fill a gap if Man United, Man City, Chelsea got offered to leave the Premier League to go to the Super League? Correct. I possibly. Um, but then eventually they they then want in the ah of course yeah I think they would get in the Super League because fair enough their budget isn't as big but what we were talking about earlier as well Celtic and Rangers got put into the Premiership like you need to remember that as soon as you're in the Premier League you're guaranteed about hundred million even if you get relegated I think you're, the the relegation is something like a hundred million pound so like you talk Super League if it's the biggest. 15 to 20 clubs, you're probably talking an automatic couple of hundred million pounds that they can then go and spend. And obviously players are going to want to go to Rangers and Celtic if they're in the Super League. So I think that they probably would get an invite if if there was such a thing as a Super League. I think their, their relative size, um, like when you talk, obviously the, the ironic thing is is that their, their fan base has like grown from sectarianism and all the bigotry going then this is this isn't recent either it's going back to the 1800s but you know you can't argue that they've got you know a, a worldwide fan base as well like, yeah. there's i think celtic they both do like a convention in america every year that attracts thousands of people like celtic have now done a master stroke by with Kyogo, Meda, Idiguchi and all that, because, we, well, as we've seen it, when I think one of the highest viewed videos on the SPFL YouTube channel was Kyogo's debut, and it shot, you know, typical view on that, it's maybe, I don't know, 80, 90,000, 100,000, something like that, and it, like, broke over a million in a, in a day. And that's because of, not only because, obviously, of who, where Kyogo's from, but who he signed for. Yeah. Yeah. The appeal that they have, um, but I, I just, I, I, I don't know where the future is. I mean, I think that game against Rangers was the earliest I've left Easter Road in a long, long time, and I never leave games early. 
like I left in the 65th minute purely because I couldn't stand listening to them. It was just... It's because of how, how far off we were from it as well. Do you know what I mean? We just weren't going to love on it. It's not because I've seen worse Hibs teams in the past take worse doings off Celtic and Rangers. Like the Celtic game after Christmas, I stayed until like the 87th or 88th minute. Yeah. Whereas that one, I just I couldn't hack listening to them. That I just I genuinely just couldn't hack listening to them and the the whole I don't know if it maybe it was just a, a general feeling of maybe you're right how fucking far away the way for these and I mean it goes on to to Saturday. Um, just like, just quick just quickly before Saturday, see the point that Mark was making about like revamping the league and changing the league and we're talking about trying to close the gap yes we all know the tv deals are fucking farce right it's an absolute shambles that you've got that guarantee old firm deal in there if we were to expand it to a say a 16 or an 18 and you were only guaranteed to play the old firm twice how long if at all do you think it would take to potentially close that gap because obviously you're then you're not playing Celtic or Rangers four times. Do you know what I mean? And you're not playing Aberdeen or Hearts another four times as well. You're playing what you would class as, you know, not as good opposition. How just, long do you think it would take? I think it depends on who they've got. Like, as we've seen, Celtic under Lennon were shite. Yeah. But Celtic under Rogers and now Postacoglu are just next level. Um, even you know you go back to the sort of late nineties when, um, or the nineties came when when Walter Smith just reigned supreme and they were just so dominant. And then Celtic broke it for one year, and then Advocat came in, and they won. I'm sure they won the treble in his first season. Like mm-hmm. it, it just it does go in cycles, and I've got no doubt that unless Ange, I'm not post call. I'm not calling him Ange because it sounds like we like him. I don't. Um, if he stays at Celtic for 10, 15 years, then you've got no hope. Like, absolutely no hope. What you're hoping is that they get a, a dialer or another sort of latter years Neil Lennon or John Barnes, shit like that. Yeah. That, you know, that can, that can bring, not that, what, like you said, what we need is we can't get to them we need them to drop off and come back yeah. closer to us, which is what we're still hope that we kick on. Yeah. The problem is, right, even if Celtic, even when Celtic were under Neil Lennon latter years, John Barnes, um, these bad managers, how many points did they still finish above third? Even if they didn't win the league, if they finished second, even at their worst, I think they finished, what, 14 points above us when we finished third, and that was under the Lennon, and they were absolutely brutal. I think they finished, like, 30 points by Rangers, well, maybe not quite that, but certainly about 20-odd points. And we still finished 13 points below them after having, I think, one of our best seasons in history. So it's Mm -hmm. still, even if they do drop to our level, they would have to be, like, catastrophic to even get close to third place, and we would have to have somebody that really kicks on, like, Hearts under Burley or something like that, like something at that level. Yeah. Um, which, unless we get some mad investor, I can't see happening anytime soon. The only way 
right, I'm putting an end to this conversation. The only way we can do it, get Celtic and Rangers to fuck. There you go. Good night. Thank you. See you later, folks. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to disagree with that. And I think there's a point to be made that, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if we've discussed this on the pod or not, or if it was like we're talking about something else, but Hibs or Hearts or Aberdeen are actually quite a good investment opportunity for um for the you know if you're wanting if it's about the exposure and all of that in European football if you are we'll just take the City group for example because we know that Brian Marwood's been up a couple of times if you're wanting a foothold another foothold in the British game and you're wanting guaranteed European football every season Hibs Hearts and Aberdeen are ideal especially yeah. with the coefficient being the way that it is now you pump in 10, 15, 20 million get to the group stages and you're making your money back yeah. So, aye, it was interesting to see what we felt. I thought we'd all kind of go down the same route of get them to fuck. Um, but I just, I, I can't see it happening for a number of reasons. One, Scottish football's too shit scared to to make a call like that. I remember back in the early 2000s, the clubs offered to resign. Um, and then they shat it. And then when the whole Rangers went, went away, we had the chance to change the voting from 11 and 1 I believe to 10 and 2 and Aberdeen shot the bed so there's realistically unless we get another situation where Celtic or Rangers go bust and we can try and change the voting the way that the voting works it's not going to happen um, if Rangers keep sacking managers and keep making terrible signings then there's every chance that could happen again especially if Celtic continue to reign supreme yep Aye. Well, let us know what you think. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody else will be on the same, get them to fuck. Um, but it's interesting to see if you agree with Marks, we hold them back as much as they hold us back. Because I think that is an interesting point that you could probably open up to a wider um, <clears throat> a wider discussion. But anyway, moving on from talking about the old firm to talking about the old firm. Um, <laughs> we're away to Parkhead on Saturday. I'm going to hold my hands up and say the only reason that I'm going is because my lad, he's never been, and he just desperately wants to to go and experience what Celtic Park's like, as I think we all did when we were when we were kids. When you see these massive stadiums on the telly, and you just want to go and experience what it's like. <clears throat> um, I put a lamp in front of him and said, "Just stand and look at that." Aye. Because you'll get the same view. Um, but that's by the by. We're going through on Saturday. Um, Mark and Liam are also going through. Uh, we, me and Alfie are actually on the bus with Mark and Liam so that could get a bit tasty, a little bit naughty Oof. Um, the fire there boy yeah so aye Sean seen as I believe you've got a prior engagement so you're not right. able to make it what are your thoughts on the game on Saturday is there even like is there even any point in us talking about it because I know you hate the, the term free hit and I'm certainly not going to use it but Playing aside, like Ange Postacoglu's Celtic, especially at the moment, um, it's, a, it's a terrifying prospect, if I'm being honest. Um, you just need to take a look through their squad or the bench that they have, like we've said already. Before you go into that, right? Yeah. You want to know what their home record is this season? Uh, tell me how many they've played and I'll, t- I'll, I'll give it a guess first. So the 14. 14. <laughs> yeah. 14 for 14, probably conceded maybe three, four. I'll go four. Conceded four. 
What about you, Mark? Same. Scoring uh, 60. Uh, it's 44 and 8 is their goal difference. So the goal difference is plus 36 from 14 home games. So they're basically, they're averaging after 14, how many games does that leave them? There's 30, so there's five home games left in the season for them. And they're already, they're still, still averaging over three goals a game at home. The thing is, like, we've, we've never, we've never we're went to Celtic We're 14, we're 25 conceded in 14. Six of them were in the one game at Parkhead. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I, didn't, I genuinely, one, don't see the point in us talking about it. And two, I don't even see the point in us playing them. As yeah. difficult as that sounds, and I hate to come across like that because you should really think that you've got every chance, but um, they're just, ironically as well, the one thing that I actually quite liked about COVID was the introduction of the five subs for nine. It actually ends up detriments and it's detrimental against us when we do play Celtic or Rangers because they just make these same subs. You can tell it by your watch, 60 minutes. Whatever three rapid strikers have been up front running their arse off will come off and the other three fucking rapid strikers will come on for the last half an hour. Um, right, Mark, I know you were at you were at Parkhead for the six one game. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, like I said, is there even a point? What what is what what again? What is the point? I think um, probably this takes the cake for the least confident I've ever been at a football match. I, I genuinely, and I know this sounds really bad, but. I, I, there, I don't think there is any chance whatsoever that we go and even get a point. Um, I think we go there and try and keep the score down. No, I'm not saying that that's what the players should do. The players shouldn't go and give it a go. But for me, that I, I would take that away as a, a minor positive. If we go and maybe keep the score below three um, to keep the goal difference intact. For me, the only... I'm looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to the day out. Few pints, few babies, good laugh. Go out after. That's what it's all about. Eh? Doesn't matter about the result. The game in the middle is the worst bit. Exactly. It's aye. It's a it is a hard one because you don't want to sound too defeatist, but at the same time, I think you need to be realistic, and it's not necessarily a reflection of how poor we are. It's more just a being realistic and acknowledging how good they are like there's no as much as you don't want to blow smoke up their arse at the same time you do have to kind of acknowledge that they're they're miles and away the best side in the country they now and the fact that they're so relentless and going for um you know they they got embarrassed when they never got the 10 because it, that was the one thing that drove them so now it's about trying to put as much i don't know like embarrass rangers as much as they possibly can by by going for everything else. Um, do you know what, Sean? Because it's such a non-entity of a game, I'm going to steal your spotlight and I'm also going to do something I never do and I'm going to give you a prediction. Fantastic. Love it. So I am going to go... Respectably, I'm going to go 2-0 to Celtic. 3-1 for me, 3-1 Celtic. Got probably be about 5-0 or something. <laughs> I'm being honest. 
thing is, you can't even sit here and say, right, we need them not to be at it. We need to be the best. We need a couple of decisions to go in our way because even with VAR, you're still not quite getting the decisions to go your way either. So yeah. um, it will be. A, I, I'm, I'm more interested to see one the lineup that Johnson goes for, and two how he sets up the team based on his previous comments against the old firm and his comments against Hearts at the beginning of the year at, at Tynecastle. That is going to tell me more about. Lee Johnson than whatever the result will be. Yeah. Right. Before we start to wrap up and move on to the the questions for this week, what's the um what's the consensus on the twelve thirty kickoff for the derby? <clears throat> I know Mark's Mark's not a great fan. I'll I'll, I'll go first. So I'll let Mark go at last. <laughs> um, I honestly could not care less if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, you're still going to go. If you are able to find a way to watch it, you're still going to find a way to watch it. I understand that is probably against 99% of everyone else because they want to get out as early as possible and bevy as early as possible. Um, if I was going to Tynecastle, I'd maybe be more annoyed because I'd want to make more of a day of it. But because we're the home team, that gives me even more of a less of a care um, in the world. And the point that you made, Craig, which I'm probably going to steal it from you because you're probably about to make it, like they've moved it to make it a pay-per-view, so they're taking fans in a way into some form of consideration. Um, yeah. The other flip of the coin there could be make it a half five, six o'clock, and you're still doing the same thing. But for me, I, I couldn't care less. I can't imagine that Police Scotland would sanction a half five kickoff okay. on a Saturday in Edinburgh. No way. Um, Mark, do you want to share your two cents on it? I just I just don't like early kickoffs when it's a derby day. I just I don't know why. I I don't really have a theory behind it, but I just feel like it takes away from the atmosphere when it's an early kickoff. It just doesn't feel right watching Hibs and Hearts at half past twelve or twelve o'clock. And I know that I love derbies under the lights. That's the best types of derbies. Yeah. Even if it's a three o'clock kickoff, at least you get sort of it's starting to get dark by the end, and you start to get that. Can that wee bit of a buzz under the lights. Half past twelve. Oh brilliant. Let's go for a wee bit of lunch after it. It's like fuck's sake, man. Make it I don't know, just keep it at three o'clock. Then pay per view, get to the stadium. You'll be able to get a ticket. Keep it at three o'clock, nay pay per view, get along to the ground. That's my views on it. Yeah. Uh, it's um I thought you'd take that take that slant on it, if I'm being honest. And the main yeah. reason is there's less time to bevy before it. Ah, but you've got more time to bevy after it. I can, but it's no as good. It's better bevying before it and letting that anticipation build. You bevy after it, it's pish. Because fair enough, if you win, it's all right. But it's still the anticipation before it, that buzz before it, is unbeatable. <laughs> alcoholic member of the team. Yeah. Well, that's what it's all about. <laughs> Uh, moving on to questions before we start to wrap up. Now it's time to answer the Hibs Ramble listener questions. John, as always, uh, what's your ideal breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Big, big question. Mark. Oh, fucking hell. I've got to have to think about this one. Um, probably a fry up for breakfast. Right, so what's, what's What's in your fry up, though? Um, sausage, egg, beans. Hash brown, potato scone, mushrooms, bacon, 
I'm missing anything. I don't think so. Wee bit of black pudding, that? I like a bit of black pudding, a wee bit of fried toast as well, maybe. Right. Ah, that's the one I was waiting for. Mushrooms get the eat me fuck, they don't belong no, in I like mushrooms. Need tomatoes. Put tomatoes in my fry up, I'll chuck it at you. Yeah. Um, don't really have not much of a lunch man and ideal dinner I'll go with. I like I like Mexican food, so I'll say enchiladas. Sean? Um I'll try and give a different answer considering Craig went with the, the, the fry up, but it's probably an obvious one as well, isn't it? That was my um, the fry up, not me. <laughs> Sorry, that's a great fuck. I'm, I'm too busy looking at my phone because I think my I think the Wi-Fi is just gone again. So I'm shitting myself in case I get kicked out here. Um, I'll go something different. I'll go for a, a stack and still pancake breakfast. Uh, big fan of the stack and still pancakes. So get involved if you've not already. Um, I won't disappoint Craig. There will be a pasta dish in there, so I'll have some for me. Creamy yeah. chicken chorizo pasta dish for lunch. Uh, but I'll go for a steak for dinner or a Chinese. One of the two. Aye. I think bre- aye, breakfast is. I, I'd prefer. I think I'd prefer a breakfast roll. Mm. Um, nice, nice roll for the bakers. Um, Emma, Emma does. What was it a uh, square sausage, slice sausage, whatever you want to call it, fried egg, tatty scone, and black pudding on the one roll. Sometimes bacon as well. So a quintuple. Two quintuplers with a nice cup of tea for me would do. Um, lunch, again, I'm not a big luncher. I'll... Nah, not for lunch. For tea, uh, steak pie. Mm. A steak pie, a proper butcher steak pie with a thick pastry, yeah. thick gravy, chunky bits of steak, and uh, boiled tatties as well. Oh. Or as I, <laughs> as I said to the ones uh, asking for them, um, can we have roast tatties but without the skin on them? <laughs> because I couldn't remember what they were called. Um, so I, there you go, John. I hope that, and obviously, John, let us know what would you have for your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, we didn't get an answer on it from Kane, but we all know that Kane likes a McPlant and he likes to share McPlants with his pals. Um, so, so, yeah, so Kane, if you're listening, let us know how the McPlant sharing's going. Have you shared any other food? Um, well, there's a question. Right, quickly, Mark. If you had to share one bit of food that you love with someone, what would it be, and who would you share it with? How many hands? Out of the three of us, you have to share some 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 bit of scram with one of us. Um, I'll. Pr- <laughs> I don't know how to say this without coming across as offensive. It's not it's not meant to come across that way, Craig. I promise you. I would probably say something like a Chinese. And I'd share it with Sean because he probably wouldn't eat as much. <laughs> but that's, that's only because Sean is a skinny dweeb and me and you are real men that eat a lot. I tell you what, Mark, you need to speak to some people I know because I'm known for non-stop eating all the time. I'm not even kidding. That wasn't meant as offensive. What, uh, that was not offensive, Greg. I will take that as a backhanded offensive <laughs> compliment, if that's even a thing. Um, what about you, Sean? Who are you sharing a creamy chicken and chorizo linguine with? Uh, I'll share it with you, Craig. I'll share it with you. I know you want to get involved. You ask about it every week, so we can share one together. Thanks, mate. Can we be like Lady in the Tramp? That's what I, I was hoping. I didn't want to be a bit presumptuous there and assume that's what you meant, but that's that's what I was hoping was going to happen. Yep. Perfect. Uh, Gav, let me just quickly scan it for... Oh, can spot one already. Uh Thoughts on this bit and Miko starting on Saturday. 
Doug, you think, I'm assuming that's just supposed to be do. Yeah. Uh, I think this could help us in the game or not. To be honest, I'm hoping we don't get pumped by them. Um, you could pick any combination of starting 11 on Saturday, Gav. I think we are going to get pumped. Like, it's is what it is. Uh, and Liam Riley is asking, uh, the Sketcher King says, if you were to throw a dinner party for three Hibs-related guests, players, managers, notable figures, celebs, who are you, vi- who are you inviting and what are you making? Jesus Christ. These questions are tough tonight. Right, I'll, yeah, I'll give you a chance to think about that and I'll put my two pence in about Gav's previous question. I think we could um, see a, a change of shape, unfortunately, at 5-2 on Saturday and we could see the two of them up top. That's what I think. That's what I think you're going to be going with, which I don't actually think is the right thing to do. But. Controversial opinion. I don't think you and should play. It's not controversial. He's been <laughs> said because agree. look at him against Rangers. He does. We need ten men on the pitch that can defend our balls off, and yeah. Jan's not going to do that. He's a man down against the old fan. Simple as that. Hundred um, percent. I will have John Hughes. Because uh, I said that the last time we got asked the question earlier on in the season, when me and Liam done it. I'll put Jason Cummins in there because I know Liam will want it, although that's probably not where I would pick, but I'll chuck it in there for Liam. And I'll go a bit of a rogue shout. I'll go with um, Jackson Irvin. Just seems like a bit of a character. We'll, we'll less said about his time at Hibs, but him at a dinner table with John Hughes and Jason Cummins could be an interesting one. Uh, I'll just order a, I'll order a Chinese or... Something like that for them, make it easy. I'm not cooking for that free. Uh, John 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 Hughes would eat a good amount, I think. I reckon he'd eat. Um, I don't know who I'd invite. Nah. Do you know what? We'll come back to that one next week. I'll probably... I'll, I, I know, I've got them. Right, I wait. would go... Andy Murray. Uh, George Best. And Eddie Turnbull. What a three. That's who I'd go with. And I'd get shitloads of vodka for wee Georgie Best. <laughs> so, uh, nice grand for him, just... Just, just baby. We Doesn't just together. Doesn't just baby Doesn't and a couple of Miss Worlds on the phone for when he got oh, bored. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, right, last question is from Paul Mackay, who's asking, do any of you guys consider going to watch any random lower league football when Hibs aren't playing? And if so, how low would you go, or how low have you been? Um, I don't think I'd go out my way if Hibs weren't playing, but because I live right behind Forrester High School, um, if Hibs aren't playing, I'll sometimes take a wander along the back path and sort of peer over the fence and see if there's like a there's usually like a Saturday amateur game or something, and I find myself standing there watching that. I'll watch football at at pretty much any level. I am. Um... Out with Hibs, the only team I would go and watch would, would be Bonnerick, but that's only because my mate plays for them. I wouldn't specifically go out my way to watch any other club if I've not really got a real interest in the match or the outcome or anyone playing. Um, especially with Trinent doing so well in the Lowland, couldn't really care. Sorry, lads, about going along. I'd, I'd maybe if they got promoted, I'd maybe pop along now and then. But um, again, I would need to have an actual interest about who I'm watching, not necessarily what I'm watching. Yeah. Uh, Mark is just purely Man United, so yeah, he he's low enough watching Hibernian. He will not stoop any lower than that. Uh, couldn't he get a rat's ass about anyone else other than Hibs and Man United, I'm afraid. 
Right, well, we'll wrap it up there for this week, lads. Um, let's hope that Monday's episode we're no sitting here with tears in our eyes, but a funny feeling we will be. Ah, well. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Cheers for coming. Enjoy your weekend. Um, thanks for listening. As always, follow us uh, on our social platforms if you don't already, at the Hibs Ramble, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Sean's really active on the the Twitter and Instagram with stories and he's um, like he's po- I said, when I say stories I don't even mean it like Sean's fucking gone on again I mean just like these <laughs> it's interacting, interaction you're putting up so keep interacting with that um, if you've got anything you'd like us to discuss cover any ideas for segments topics get in touch with us um, but other than that we'll see you next week cheers guys okay.